0: fourth episode of the untimely truth i'm joined with my friend chase hello and i'm steve and what are we going to talk about today dude aliens, <laughs> <laughs> aliens for the most yeah. part yeah like stuff ancillary to aliens i guess like area 51 yeah. roswell all that good shit
1: very popular and very unknown topic
0: yeah for sure like it's how do you know about it because we don't even know if they exist but we're going to talk about the it. debate is up the debate is on it's raging on Discord, it's raging on Reddit. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's
1: start this off the way that it's going to be the best for everybody. Hey, Steve!
0: <laughs> no! No! Is this a bad joke?
1: It's I like it.
0: But that, yeah, that's a sign.
1: Hey, Steve. Yeah? What do you call a tick on the moon?
0: This sounds, I don't know. A lunatic. I... We gotta stop doing this. <laughs> I feel like it derails everything we try to do oh, from no. a further standpoint. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I can't... I can't threaten to leave four episodes in a row. And you just, like... I don't even... At first I thought, oh, she's, it's ironically funny. She's finding it ironically funny. But actually watching you real life react to these jokes, you... You find it legitimately <laughs> hilarious, it's good. which I think is incredible. I think that's uh, sweet. I wish that I could find that genuinely like hilarious. You just gotta
1: understand humor yeah, at its core.
0: I guess so. I'm really glad we took a shot right before this, so that you're just like <laughs> right ready to laugh at your own jokes. It's my birthday, so we gotta <laughs> Happy do birthday! a shot. Yeah, we gotta, uh, you know. Yeah, this is a Steven very episode. very special episode because it is Stevens. 34th birthday <laughs> yes, i'm 34 <laughs> i'm aging in dog years since i was 20 oh my god yeah it's rough now it is my birthday so it's i think old that's too fine yeah so i picked like my number one favorite nerd topic for the aliens i fucking love to talk about aliens it's like the one hope that i still have left like i'm skeptical oh, about no. <laughs> everything but like i just want aliens to be around so bad totally like, this would be cool. Just
1: judging you from afar. No, to
0: beat me up. Oh,
1: so, like me up, Scotty. I'm looking at
0: the till and just... Hello, <mumbles> Stephen, we have chosen you from the older world to come join us on our ship. <laughs> Can you fit this coca cola size probe in your asshole? And I'll go, why, yes, aliens, I've been practicing, practicing for years for <laughs> years for this probing.
1: I'm super down. To start with some history yeah. on the very first UFO sighting. I How's really? your hair doing? It's man? caught my hat.
0: <laughs> Great visual joke. for Yeah. The Sorry. No worries. It's better if you pointed
1: it. Out. Right. I had to because I thought I was gonna have to get up and help you. So. I oh, know. Yeah, I was trapped <laughs> in my own hat. UFOs and strange sightings aren't something that's been, just been happening for like the last hundred years. No. It's been happening since the beginning of time, since the beginning of people, I'd say. Yeah. And then people just started recording it. Yeah, Whenever or, they could.
0: Yeah, as a, as a certain phenomenon, maybe. Like, yeah. not just wondering, but, like, reporting as a UFO phenomenon is recent. But the history of seeing things in the sky that we don't know what they are
1: is Right, and, like, even, like, back in the day, people would just write in their diaries. Yeah. Now, they would write it very poetically. So, to be fair, we don't know how far-stretched this may be. Yeah,
0: it's Shakespearean in nature.
1: Kind of, yeah. yeah okay. We're gonna go all the way back to 1639 on March 1st. Talk to a guy named John Winthrop. Oh, Johnny, Johnny W. Johnny W. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only. Johnny Dopes! Johnny Dopes! John Winthrop was rowing his boat across the Charles River when he witnessed a giant light in the sky. He was accompanied by two of his fellow Puritans, um, and they couldn't explain why they were seeing this gigantic light. Yeah. There's nothing...
0: There's no electricity. 1639. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah, know what I mean? what's going
1: on? So he... This is the diary entry. I'm just going to read it to you. When it stood still, it flamed up and was about three yards square, and when it ran, it was contracted into the figure of a swine. Okay. Which is weird, because in my head I just see, like, a bright little pig running around the sky. Yeah,
0: like a cool Pig Floyd album. Right? Yeah. Like, okay.
1: They say that the light stayed and flashed at them for over three hours. So some people, their explanation for this, aside from, like, the pig thing, is that it's the... Ignis factuus, which is like the wisp or the willow wisp.
0: Okay, I've heard of this legend. Before.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not even a legend. It just it actually happens not so much now because of pollution. Okay, but it, ha- it used to happen a lot um, over marshlands, like like the Charles River that they were on. The combustion of gas from all the decaying, stuff, yeah, all of the organic bacteria, matter, absolutely. for sure, it actually makes a light, and I don't know if you've ever seen a video of it, but it's a legit exactly light, what about. it's really cool, yeah, yeah, would recommend looking that up, if it was back and forth like they were saying, yeah, in the diary entry, wouldn't necessarily be a will-o-wisp, right, because
0: unless multiple things were, you know, firing off, right, at the same but that's time. so rare, but it's a very rare we've place, never seen sure. that, so, is this in England, sorry?
1: This was in the States, actually. Oh, okay. So he wrote another entry in his diary in
0: 1644,
1: so like five years later. The same light exposed itself to fishermen on their way to Boston. He wasn't there, but they told him about it.
0: But it's from Boston. They're like, oh, we saw some wicked lights. (laughs) Oh, shit, we saw some fucking great big lights, bro. Uh,
1: This time, it spoke to them. So the light actually spoke to them. As it dashed across the sky, trying to lure the fishermen towards the light. But to me, that seems like way more of, like, a siren folklore tale than an alien.
0: Or it's just like, hey, yo, I'm a light! (laughs) Sorry. Sorry,
1: Boston. (laughs) Sorry, we love you, Boston.
0: God. I like them
1: apples. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was really interesting because... So it's the first ever, like, UFO categorized sighting. It could have been multiple things. Yeah. Especially because they were in the ocean both times, like salt water. And then they were with multiple people who saw it. So witnesses, they were like, has to be true. Look how many people were there.
0: Yeah. But there's a lot of instances of like people seeing a paranormal phenomenon, like two hundred people seeing the same thing. Yeah. And I mean it could be a real thing that's just interpreted as a paranormal phenomenon, right?
1: Totally, yeah. But
0: I mean, even in the research I did, like, the one guy who does a bunch of stuff about Area 51 is, like, everybody who looks up here is, like, they either see Jesus or they see an alien, or, like, he's just, like, so pissed totally. off of people being in his, like, desert backyard in lawn chairs. But, I mean, like, people are always going to be curious about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I saw, like, a really weird light in the sky, I would automatically assume it was, like, a drone. But that's just the, because we now, had technology. Yeah, so. But back in, like, the 1600s, I'd be like, the fuck is this For thing? For sure. Like, I don't, yeah. So I, I get why we're John Winthrop. It's
0: that's a that's an old one though. It's really
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Where are we headed now, buddy? You gonna tell me about Roswell or what? <laughs> I
0: could talk about Roswell. Um, so it's 1947. World War II's ended. Guys have come back. They picked up their girlfriends. They're all happy. Right. Living their life. And a tiny town in New Mexico. They experienced a super fucking weird night. So Roswell, New Mexico, is a tiny community, mostly home to farmers and miners, cattle mm-hmm. ranchers, that kind. Um, But for a few days in the late 40s, it could have been home to some aliens. Oh, okay. That space. Maybe. We don't know. I don't know. There's two ways you can look at Roswell, Riley. It was an encounter with otherworldly beings, or it was a simple weather balloon. So that's the two, like, some of you were like, yeah, it's definitely aliens. And then NASA people, especially, like, it was a weather balloon.
1: So, like, do these weather balloons, like, in my head, I've never seen one.
0: Not that big. Like, um, I watched a documentary about it, they're kind of about... Four feet in diameter, and they just float around metric, like measure barometric pressure and all that stuff. Sure. Um, some of them are bigger. Okay. But they're made out of the same stuff that like chip bags are made out of, like that mylar material. Oh right, right. right. Um, so that conducts was a, well. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and it also like it doesn't condense on itself. Like you try to crush a chip bag and it just opens again, right? Yeah. So they wanted that kind of thing because it holds the gas well and it's easy to expand. Totally. Good. So. People in 1947, though, had never seen Mylar before. Like, chip bags were not, like, what we're used to chip bags now. Like, Mm -hmm. we're totally used to this material. It wouldn't seem weird. But in 1947, it would seem super weird because they'd never seen it before. Yeah. So there was accounts of this self-healing metal in Roswell. Like, when people found this, they are like, oh, you try to crumple it up like tin, and it just spreads back out. And, like, they're like, that's alien. Like, that sounds super weird.
1: Because at the time, obviously, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the rancher who found the debris was a guy named WW Mac, oh, Mac W, w. Mac. W, w. Mac. So he found wreckage on his sizable property in Lincoln County, New Mexico, which is just a few miles outside of Roswell. Um, so several flying disc and flying saucer stories have been kind of floating around the area around that time, but most of them were kind of just planes or just stuff that the government had been testing because there is a government air force base really close to there. And they were testing a lot of planes that people wouldn't have been used to seeing with blinking lights and Mm -hmm. move really fast and stuff. In 19, uh, July 1947, he finds this wreckage on his property. He kind of calls the attention of the press. And so the RAF, which is the Roswell Army Airfield, which is the airfield that's right close to where he found the wreckage, yeah. um, they came up with a statement. And they said, The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the Sheriff's Office of Chavez County. So that was an official release by the Army Air Force Base. Whoa! Like, we found a flying saucer, it's real, this is what it is, and the next day they released another statement stating that the rumors regarding the flying disc are false. It's, it's fake. So the U.S. Army officials quickly reversed themselves, saying the five saucer claim um, was bogus. They found debris, but it was from a weather balloon, and they released photographs of Major Marcel posing with the... Weather balloon. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, so
1: someone screwed up there. Yeah. Maybe.
0: So maybe, but for many decades, people were like, oh, it's definitely alien. It's definitely. Yeah. But it came out later, 1994, actually, that the U.S. Air Force released a report where they conceded the weather balloon story had always been bogus. It was never real. Mm -hmm. But the wreckage came from a spy device. So it's still something that the U.S. government created. But it wasn't as simple as a weather balloon. They wanted the Soviets, oh, yeah, it's nothing. It's a weather balloon. Who cares about it? Because it was a prototyped what would become spy so this satellite. is
1: just after World War Two, right? Yeah. So that makes sense then if they had a yeah, spy balloon. Yeah, it's the Cold War. Of course. It's, yeah. it's the
0: beginning. It's ramping up to the Cold War. Mm-hmm. They're already worried about what the Soviets are doing. So they want this balloon that's almost like a satellite. Yeah. It was like a proto-satellite. So it was a balloon that flew so high over Soviet radar that it wouldn't be detected.
1: Oh, yeah. Would you want the Soviets to know about your spy cam balloon?
0: <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. I mean... They'd be like, oh, look, it's the very, very interesting balloon you have he's, there.
1: He's, it's interesting.
0: It's neat, neat, no balloon for <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> They'll take it destroy the media.
1: That's really interesting. See, because everybody, when you talk about aliens, like, the first thought that comes to mind is Roswell, right? Because it's such a big thing.
0: And that community runs itself <laughs> up of being, like, the place where aliens landed. Totally, and, yeah. Which is cool, like, might as well take care of the marketing yourself and just, you know, small business
1: I mean, I'm they sure they have know. a bunch of cafes
0: there and they stuff. They do. They have and... the
1: alien. They have all these, like. Oh, the alien? That's Yeah. So, see? yeah these are a the
0: people who get those. my jokes. I need they, to go yeah, up there. those are the people that like your. Oh, fucking oh God. Um, <laughs> but what was kind of cool is Roswell later became known as, like, the capital of, you know, alien sightings and all that. But other people, that's been called a boil on the ass of the alien UFO community because it just makes them look really silly. Which, like, I'm part of the alien, we are fucking silly. Like... Yeah, of course.
1: I mean, anybody who thinks of stuff and has opinions on it without any solid proof is going to be silly, you know, in in other people's eyes. I don't
0: have any proof, but it's just fun to speculate. Totally. And, like, of any of, like, the unfounded claims, alien, Sasquatch, my top two. And an alien Sasquatch? We've talked about Sasquatch crossovers before. Alien Sasquatch. Alien Squatch, yeah. There, There's a lot of crossover potential.
1: We're gonna have so many seasons of Zombie Squatch, Alien Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> have
0: you ever seen Howard and the Hendersons?
1: No.
0: They have, like, a pet sasquatch, and, uh, John Lithgow, the guy from Third Rock from the Sun, okay. he's like, we don't want you anymore, get out of here! And it made me so sad when I was a kid, because it was, like, their pet sasquatch and their friends. Oh! And he's like, go into the woods! Like, it's for his own good. He's, like, trying to be mean to him. in your him? It's like ET. Yeah, it's I very fucking E.T. sad.
1: You said you know, Roswell's right, right after World War Two. Yeah. Well, let's take a little road trip back
0: to World War Two for a World minute. I love World War Two.
1: Not yeah. a lot of people did, but, but, oh, well, no, okay. No, I'm
0: joking. Yeah. I'm, I know what Putting you mean. Way, though, but when I'm hungover, I watch Holocaust documentaries. Like, just to feel worse than I already do. I don't know why, but I do. shameful. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if it's shameful. I'm just like, oh, I want to feel, like, even sadder than I do right
1: now. It's a problem.
0: Is it? Is I that a bad so. thing to do? I think that's a
1: bad I thought it kind of cathartic. It's definitely not therapeutic.
0: It's not. No. I'm do it wrong. Doing self-care wrong.
1: Yeah. hashtag Self-care. Is care Steve is not.
0: Watching Holocaust documentaries, <laughs> but I'm wrong, I guess.
1: Taking a road trip back to World War II as Steve is hungover and watches his terrible yeah. documentary. Well, <sighs> it's said that the Nazis created advanced aircrafts that surpassed all other airplane and flight technology of that time.
0: Yeah, they were ahead of the game. They were
1: ahead of the game, for, for sure. sure. They apparently kept their secrets, as well as the people who created them, in an underground bunker somewhere in Antarctica. Oh, I've
0: heard this kind of like Nazi-based Antarctica before. Right? Anymore. Yeah, it's fine.
1: Dang. During the war, there were many sightings of these aircraft used as surveillance, but when shot at, kind of like the weather balloon, right? When shot at, they took little to no damage. Weird. Okay. So, this is a little weird. So, yeah. it may have a different material, right? What are you making it you stuff out Not out of chip
0: bags.
1: Not out of chip bags, because a, uh, yeah, a bullet's going to puncture that. Gonna, I've <laughs> been shot
0: holding your gun before. <laughs>
1: So German engineer Rudolf Schreiber gave an interview where he claimed to have designed an aircraft that was powered by circular turbine blades and could take off vertically.
0: Like just from a dead stop, straight up in the air. Yep,
1: zero to sixty. That's cool. Going back. That's
0: something you hear a lot in like the UFO flying saucer thing. Is like it takes like yeah.
1: And up, they can right? they can stop in midair without sound, right? Yeah, and hover. So it's dead silent, and then they can just kind of go wherever they want. Shift. And that's an interesting technology for sure. So they can take off vertically. Apparently these designs were stolen from his warehouse. Okay. Or his lab, or whatever he called it. Um, and they were never to be seen again. But here's where the conspiracy theory comes in. These were su- the supposed designs of the Die Glock, or the Bell UFO, which was the conspiracy surrounding the secret weapon everyone thought that the Germans possessed yeah, during I World War this. II, yeah. right? That kind of makes sense, because they were capable of creating weapons like this. They were ahead of the game. We talked about this, and they even had their own rocket factory.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, Bernard Brown ran a whole rocket. You know, He became a member of Operation Paperclip later, and the U.S. used him to get to the moon. They,
1: they did make huge technological strides before anybody else. In the book, <laughs> The Morning of the Magicians, published in 1960, the author claimed that the Nazi party partnered with other secret societies and developed these prototypes to make contact with alien life forms.
0: So Nazis wanted to hang out with aliens, eh?
1: There's also another conspiracy that says that the only reason that Germans and the Nazis were able to create all of these crazy things were because they got all of the blueprints from aliens.
0: That makes sense. Like Once you have done this so well, Mr. Bleeblop. <laughs> we would love to know how you do that reverse propulsion yes. engine. <laughs>
1: When World War II ended, the Germans had several types of aircrafts and guided missiles under development, while most were in the testing and uh, unfinished stage. Mm -hmm. It's still said that if the war was to continue for a couple more months, they would have 110% won the war due to what they were trying to create. They just didn't have the time or manpower to do it at the time. Right? Is that because
0: of the orthopedic power of Birkenstock's animals? You
1: know what? It was because of the orthopedic yeah. power of Birkenstock's.
0: We shall, we shall be victorious because of our superior arch support.
1: <laughs> so at the end of this book, which is really interesting, they actually take all of the people who were partnered in to get these aircraft up in the air. They bring them into an underground lair to meet all of the new alien race that's inhabiting inner Earth. And that's how the book ends, which is really interesting.
0: So the Nazis are cool with aliens, but they're they're like no Jews. But well, aliens this are This is fine. what I
1: was thinking. Supreme is Supreme Supreme They <laughs> <Supreme. laughs> got the Supreme White race. Right? This is what they're trying to create. With the supreme gray or green race. And I guess that's kind of like
0: So that's weird. Like, some Nazis try to make UFOs, basically.
1: Essentially. I mean, they did, obviously, create a few because it was documented that there were some weird surveillance stuff. Yeah.
0: Weapons and aircraft, for sure.
1: So that, uh, the Nazi UFO theory or or portion is actually our friend Vulcan. He helped us kind of piece that part together. Yeah, that's
0: cool. So this is, like, my favorite part of this whole thing. I fucking love Area Fifty One. Yeah, I think it's just an any alien conspiracy. Lover. So many
1: movies about yeah. it. So
0: there's many. So there many. was gonna be a raid. Like yeah, yeah. COVID probably just everybody was like, no, there's no Mountain Dew in the desert. I'm not going out there.
1: Right, all the keyboard warriors yeah. were like, I'll come. Just kidding. Wait,
0: like, oh, I actually have to physically go. No, no. no. Yeah. I don't well, want to go. the, the fucking Nevada mm-hmm. either, though. No. Yeah. It's Nasty. It's so terrible. Anyways, Area 51, sometimes referred to as Groom Lake. Okay. So it's this salt flat out in the middle of the fucking nowhere in Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. Like, just nothing lives there. It was a former nuclear test site. Mm-hmm. So, like, nobody goes anywhere near it, anyways. So the government is like perfect spot to put a secret base.
1: Like, a lot of the skeptics still believe that that's all it is, too, is a nuclear testing site.
0: Well, I mean, I think now even a skeptical person would have to admit that it's tested aircraft. Like, that's historical yeah, at yeah. this point. Like, it's definitely done more than that. But the United States Air Force started using this base in, like, the early 50s. Like, I think 1949, they started building the plans of digging the underground basement. That's kind of, where they keep the fucking aliens. Anyways, so this is, like, <laughs> the height of the Cold War. This is, like... Everything is us against the Soviets and it's a huge hub of innovation. They're coming up, they're breaking airspeed records every single day, like with what they're making. And they can't tell anybody because nobody can know that that they even work there. Like, I wonder what these guys tell their wives when they go home. They're like, oh, well, it's a tough day at the hamburger factory. Right? Like, Yeah, like, oh, oh, good, honey. Like, why are you covered in alien blood? And you're like, oh. And
1: also, like, why do you make, like, $300,000 a year? year? Yeah. yeah, Well, the hamburger
0: factory does well, honey. Anyways, so tensions with the Soviet Union have been growing since the end of World War II. And the U.S. needs a new enemy because they're like, hey, that makes us a lot of money, having an enemy all the time. Always. So... <laughs> Um, but this was a cold war, so it wasn't really about, we're gonna blow you up, we're gonna, like, vaporize you, we're gonna just beat you with espionage, we're just gonna, like, make this an intelligence war. So, the CIA enlisted the help of a man by the name of Kelly Johnson. Kelly she, Johnson. Johnson? Kelly Johnson. Kelly Joyce. He was a former skunk Works operator at our friend, not really our friend, Lockheed Martin. Oh, okay. Is, like, uh, the plane he went on to design at Area 51 was the U-2. So that was not the band McBono, but a (laughs) high-flying aircraft that would fly above Soviet radar and basically be able to capture high-resolution images going on in the Soviet Union without being detected.
1: Oh, what? Okay. Yeah,
0: so it flew at 70,000 feet, which no aircraft at the time flew. They flew around 30,000 feet. Right, right. Twice as high plus as... But this is when shit goes top, top secret. Like, this is when they pretend that the base doesn't even exist. So... August 19th, 1955, Dwight D. Eisenhower signs Executive Order 1063, um, which effectively removes Groom Lake from any and all government or private maps. So it just does not exist. It's not on the radar. People ask about it. It's not exist there. Right. It's not a real place. Um, so this is way before Google Earth, where you can like literally just go on your laptop now. And, and see anywhere in, in the yeah. world. So this is before all that. Um, so you could still keep that pretty under wraps. So later that year... Eisenhower declares the 60 square miles around the base to also be under strict government control. So nobody can even, like, camp out and try to look at the base from 60 yards, or 60 miles away. Right. They have to try from, like, people still go to cliff sides now and, like, different, like, high-up areas and, like, look local binoculars. Yeah. But back in the day, even up until 1993, you could get pretty close. May 1st, 1963. So this is right around all this time has like, been spent developing this U-2 rocket. Or not a U-2 rocket, U U-2 plane. Yeah. And nobody's supposed to know about it. Soviets aren't supposed to know about it. They shoot one down. So the Russians have a U-2. They shoot down over Siberia. And all of a sudden, everyone in America knows that this plane has been developed. Totally. And they kind of, through process of elimination, figured out it's being developed at the
1: Area 51, Area
0: 51 Air Force Base. Um, so by 1967, the government just flat out says that nothing involving area, that's never existed. It's a total conspiracy theory. Anybody who talks about it is crazy. Like, it's just a wackadoo thing. Like, yeah. It's stupid for even talking about it. That is also the same year that the U.S. shot down their first MiG-17. Um, so this secrecy goes exponential at that point. Engineers working on one part of an experimental aircraft, like like working on the engine, if they're coming in like, testing the ailerons or something for that aircraft, they all have to leave. Okay. And then the people developing the ailerons check the ailerons and test those. And then the next people who, like, develop the tail section come along. Like, wow, so no can...
1: one knows how to build the whole
0: thing. Yeah, nobody just knows sections. how the whole thing goes together. Exactly. So interesting. So that's the whole point. So that's kind of the normal history of the base that's just definite, that doesn't have anything to, like, involve aliens. Totally, or anything. yeah. It's just standard military secret that yeah. was kept during the Cold War, which kind of makes sense, I get that. But that comes down to Bob Lazar. Okay. So Bob Lazar is a guy who's claimed to have worked at Area 51.
1: Kind of like the time travelers that are like, hello, I'm from the year yeah. 2050. Yeah, and... <laughs> 2015
0: here, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so most interestingly, this guy said that he worked at Area 51 and that he saw cadavers and autopsy reports as well as alien spacecraft and the propulsion systems that made them work okay so he kind of sounds like he's full of shit sure but the thing is he's been interviewed by people who also worked at the base who said like asked him all kinds of questions like what's the color of the paint in the hallway uh where's the cafeteria like how do you get there from the main door
1: um, he can answer all yeah of the and you. how
0: many floors are in each building Damn. Like, have you ever fucked that hot alien and he was like, yeah, I've done all of those. I know exactly where they are. <laughs> so people who work at the base are like, yeah, he's not like totally full of shit. Like he could be lying about the things he saw, but he definitely at least worked at the base. Right, right, right. He also claimed that these antimatter reactors that were the propulsion systems for the alien ships ran on this undiscovered element uh, 115, which is now known as Moscovium, which is named after like Moscow and Russia. Yeah. Moscovium. But at the time, that element hadn't been discovered yet. But he said it runs on this element, element, and this is how you synthesize it. And if you synthesize it, you'll get Muscovium. So,
1: so he so, knew yeah, all of that.
0: but the problem is, at least what we can do with Muscovium, it breaks down immediately. It's incredibly radioactive.
1: We don't have the right tools.
0: That could be it.
1: Because yeah. it's not ours. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> aliens. Yeah. Oh my god. So, as
0: far as I can tell, any time Muscovium has been synthesized, it breaks down. Within three minutes.
1: This is really interesting.
0: Yeah. And he specifically said it's a stable source of element 150. Like, it's a stable isotope. Yeah. And we haven't been able to establish it.
1: Because there are millions of elements we've never discovered. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And even, like, I hadn't even learned that you could synthesize an element until today.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was
0: reading about that. But since then, like, stuff has just been cracked down on even more. Like, Bob Lazar is a whole, like, episode onto himself. Like, he's a super interesting dude. I don't know if he's crazy um, people in the UFO community kind of consider him a disinfo agent. Some people. Okay. Like, like, he's spreading crazy rumors so that people will just go, oh, he's full of shit. Like, the whole idea is crazy, and they won't acknowledge it.
1: It's like, even if what he said was true, it's be- yeah. it's become this meme now, right? Yes, like it, yeah. Like, that's unfortunate. Like, but... the ancient
0: aliens hair guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's yeah.
0: The, like, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit like that. But in 1993 the US government finally had to admit that the base existed because a series of workers at the base had horrible skin burns right. and horrible medical conditions yeah. yeah where like their hair was just like falling out in clumps and they just had boils and like horrible sores and they went to the doctor and the doctor was like you have horrible exposure to toxic chemicals and the only way for us to treat this is if we know what those are and so they go to their superiors at their job, and their superiors are like, "We can't tell you what that is. Like it's top secret. We can't That's tell so you." That's so
1: shitty. Supposed
0: to. And they were literally forced to like dig pits with an excavator, put the barrels of chemicals in, douse it in airplane fuel, and then light it on fire.
1: That's so mental. Yeah.
0: And so like of course being so any, secretive. Yeah. Like... And so this wind, they actually were so dumb that they did it downwind from the base. So that when they lit the fire, the whole wind came and blew over the base, and they called it London fog. Like the workers were literally, used to it. Yeah. yeah. They were like, "Oh yeah, it's the London fog. It's like the horrible chemical gas is being burned."
1: And it's okay. I'm just casually blind now yeah. since working here. It it's fine. My yeah. left lungs collapsed, but I'm good
0: those workers had to sue the government and like step one was even getting the government to admit that it existed
1: that's so crazy like we've known forever that it exists
0: and it was even getting to the point where the first satellite images were available where not everybody but other people could be like yeah i can i can see it right right there
1: it's clearly right here it's like holding up an apple and being like do you see this apple? And they're yeah. like, "No, what? What do you mean? Your hand's empty." Like <laughs> the
0: government was literally doing that, though. They were literally like half admitting that it existed. They're like, "Yes, you experienced this problem on this base, and like you were exposed to this, but that base doesn't exist." They were like having their cake and eating it too. That's crazy. Like you. That's can't really crazy. Both. But eventually, the people won. Like there was so many. They went under John Doe's because they were worried that the government would come after them. But they sued together. I think like thirty five guys that worked there sued. They didn't even sue for damages, they just sued for their medical payments.
1: Yeah, and that, I imagine that's like Bob Lazar as well, like, he might have to say all these crazy things that no one will believe because, you know, the government might be after him for certain things, and like...
0: Yeah, I don't know, Bob Lazar's a weird one. There's a lot of stuff that surrounds him for sure in the UFO community. He's a controversial figure, put it that way.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the government, not taking anyone seriously, Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about (laughs) Oumuamua. Oumuamua. Mua, which is a crazy thing that happened in Hawaii. So, in October of 2017, astronomers at the University of Hawaii saw a bright red, elongated object traveling through our solar system. This is the very first object that we have ever found outside of our solar system.
0: That's cool. Yeah,
1: right? Isn't that really neat? And yeah. that's only in 2017. The object spun every eight hours exactly. And was at least ten times longer than it was Y. So imagine like a, a tiny... ratio. Yeah, a it's tiny a little needle, right? Yeah. Steve. <laughs>
0: Hold on, it's just what I've heard. Derailing the podcast.
1: They named it Oumuamua, which is the Hawaiian word for scout or messenger. If you are Hawaiian, I am so sorry if I am mispronouncing that. I tried to Google it. It didn't come up. <laughs> The university studied it and thought that it may be an operational probe sent into Earth's vicinity by an alien civilization to observe us.
0: Well, that's well, just a little spy of howdy duty.
1: So the strangest thing about this probe is that it deviated from an orbit that is shaped purely by the gravitational force of the sun. Okay. Which means it definitely wasn't a comet. Because comets rotate based on the evaporation of ice on the surface.
0: Yeah, and it starts turning
1: differently. Right? Based so, when on the, the ice, ice evaporates, yeah, the comet is pushed by the created gases, which is where we usually see comet trails. Okay. But you That's didn't. That burning off.
0: Yeah. yeah okay.
1: But you didn't see it with this object. Yeah. And it couldn't be an asteroid because it rotated so specifically on one axis. So, the questions arose of what was actually propelling this particular object. Um, And that's what sparked so much curiosity. They thought it might be heat from the sun, but then it wouldn't be able to turn and stop.
0: Yeah, it was just an anomalous moving thing in the sky. Yeah,
1: so people were like, a UFO, right? What the heck is this? So the chair of Harvard's astronomy department, uh, whose name is Avi Loeb, um, he co-wrote the paper that documented all of the possible theories and findings about this object. Loeb had always been interested in extraterrestrial life, but was so angry that no one had jumped on board to study or photograph this interstellar object. Nobody
0: photographed it? No
1: one photographed it! It was there for, like, three months. How
0: did no one For three
1: months, and it was just, like, chilling there,
0: and no one came... Okay, Britney Spears... Flash for two seconds once in two thousand seven. And legit twenty seven photographers. Yeah, yeah. and million yeah. people have that photograph. We had a fucking awesome could have been a UFO asteroid thing in the sky for three months and nobody was like, Yeah. TMZ wasn't like we should get this thing.
1: We should look at this. Yeah, like God damn it. So yeah, because when he contacted people, he's like, Oh, it's too far they're like they were like, Oh, it's too far gone. It's too far gone to So was Brittany. Still there took it is. pictures. <laughs> Yeah, it's too far gone. To take pictures, and I'm like, so is Bernie.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> he said, if these beings are peaceful, we could learn a lot from them. Why is no one here? Yeah. <laughs> like, so his plight now is to inform everyone that he can, um, so that we can be on the lookout and pay more attention to the next visitor. This guy be sounds prepared. like he does a lot of acid. But he's like, this is this That's is a guy from who also Harvard. Does a lot of acid, fair, fair, but this is a guy from Harvard, and he's like. I think this is an alien spacecraft sent to spy on us. And people were like, probably not. Like, people just dismissed it right away, right? But he had a quote, and I really like this quote, so I'm going to share it. You should
0: share that quote.
1: (laughs) In science, we must ask ourselves, where is the evidence? Not where is the lack of evidence so that I can fit it in any hypothesis that I like. Okay. That's kind of good. I like that. He got a lot of criticism about this, right? Like, a lot of people were like, hey, you're so smart, like, why are you being so stupid? Like, especially all the skeptics and stuff. So that was really cool. Share everybody that. everybody said
0: in Darwin, too, though.
1: Some of these people probably have a lot of really good information to share, but they dismiss them immediately if it's, like, about aliens or about, you know, a plague. They're or disregarded
0: about... in their time. Yeah. yeah.
1: I follow the maxim of Sherlock Holmes. When you have excluded the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable must be the truth but when it comes to things we can't explain or don't understand don't we often turn to concepts that do exist in popular culture and society yeah for sure i think that's really cool
0: i think that's like our first story when they talked about it being like a swine they're just trying to relate it to something that it looks like or something that That
1: they 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 know of right yeah
0: and then later when people saw aliens they're like oh yeah they all look like movie aliens that i saw because that's what they think aliens look like
1: Totally. It couldn't be, like, some purple, 17-footed octopus-looking creature.
0: Well, it could be. That'd be cool.
1: It would be. But they don't, that's the only reason I picked octopus is because I know what one yeah. looks like.
0: Right? Be like, hello, oh, everybody. I smoke <laughs> a pipe, and I know how to read in three different languages. I'm that octopus.
1: you don't even know what yeah. to comprehend. <laughs> so I have a really fun fact about NASA. Okay.
0: Never a straight answer. That's something to say in the UFO community. <laughs> NASA never straight answer.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. NASA hired a planetary protection officer that is responsible for making sure that Earth is safe from aliens.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah, not the, the aliens, Force. right? Yeah. That's a good show. I don't know if you watched I that yet. Watch it yet. Steve Carell. I wish it was like the little green and gray guys that we were talking about, but it's actually on a very much smaller microbial level. The job of a planetary protection officer is to clean labs and make sure that alien microbes didn't hitch a ride back to Earth after space travel. That's cool. But it's also their job to make sure that we don't contaminate space.
0: Interesting. I've never thought about that. Right,
1: because yeah. we don't want to be leaving shit over there. No, of course not. So, what do you think a PPO earns per year?
0: Um, hundred and twenty
1: thousand. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, you're about sixty grand off. It's a hundred and eighty-seven. Oh, oh, they more.
0: I thought it were gonna be like sixty grand. Like shit, they should definitely one more than that. No, defending us from space germs.
1: <laughs> um, currently there are only two positions for this job. Uh, one is at NASA, and the other is at a European space agency somewhere.
0: Euro trash.
1: So before you think about applying, know that you'll need to have a resume that's
0: pretty expensive. out of this world. Oh god, like do you like it's like throwing a a, a spoke in our bike tire? <laughs> These jokes.
1: So it's the guy who makes
0: jokes about terrible I, things. I didn't make a joke, but I and I think it's cathartic because I feel bad physically and I feel bad mentally.
1: It's just like you're punishing yourself for existing. Yeah,
0: for a little bit. It's good. Oh my god.
1: Um, NASA scientists say that they're likely to find alien life in the next
0: decade. Oh, believe it when I see it.
1: How they want to do that is they plan to explore with rovers, like I guess like the lunar rover, but they're they're going to send rovers to get samples from like the oceans, um, the moons of Saturn and Jupiter, and just get samples from ancient space rock they haven't been able to get samples of yet and they want to see if there's like any fossils or any living because realistically what are they called the tri- t- tyrigards tear uh, tardigrades tardigrades those yeah, guys they can even like,
0: in a vacuum
1: yeah but even if you have those little guys that means that they could grow into could whatever into
0: anything all over the world give it a, a thousand years it, right? and well, few million years. But yeah, they could evolve into something.
1: Oh, I'm saying we give it a thousand years and you'd have like something a little bit bigger. Because that's how evolution works. It
0: depends how small the population is. So, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it might be kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it would be very interesting to see. like, And I think like life, evolution, there's no reason why evolution would only happen on Earth. Like I think if the conditions are right, then life finds a way. Totally. Yeah. I've been playing yeah. a lot of Jurassic Park World.
1: It's you and your dinosaurs haven't figured much.
0: out. It's aliens and dinosaurs are like my childhood obsessions that I've still
1: we're halfway there, man. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, hey, Steve. Oh,
0: fuck. What?
1: What did the alien say to the garden?
0: I don't know, Chase. Take me to your weeder. I like to let him sit. <laughs> I like to let him fall on the ground. Oh. Just let him sit there, and I don't give you any reaction, positive or negative. <laughs> And then you just laugh and laugh (laughs) and laugh. And at first I thought it was a bit. I really did. And now I realize that you actually legitimately find these funny. And that makes it harder to be your friend. (laughs) You can (laughs) barely talk because you're laughing so hard. Okay, well, I have a question for you. If you could, like, expose an alien to any human concept, like never been to earth before and you're like i want to show them this one thing that i think would freak them out what would it be
1: to freak them out or yeah, just, just to expose like, them this to... how
0: weird humans can get
1: that's a, such a difficult question i wanted to say music
0: yeah that'd be interesting.
1: like i wanted to say like you know baby metal where they yeah. like talk in little baby voices
0: to but really it's like, hardcore heavy yeah, metal it's a kill
1: like baby metal is something that confuses the hell out of me
0: Yeah, that's a weird Like, if
1: I was ever on, like, heavy-duty psychedelics, I would listen to
0: baby metal. I don't think I would. As someone who has been, that sounds horrible. It
1: sounds really bad, but I just need to know what the other part of my brain thinks about it. What about you? What would you expose them to? Furry orgy. They probably have weird sex anyways.
0: I don't think they have animal costume sex no i just don't think that they that's do.
1: accurate and i
0: think taking them to a group of people like listening to reggae music and fucking in furry costumes they're just gonna be very confused they're like why did you take me to
1: this
0: horrible place
1: <laughs> there's not even any chip dip here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just love fucking salsa yeah, like yeah. they're just it's the best thing <laughs> i
0: love what you call
1: salsa <laughs> <laughs> i have a question for you now okay I had the chance to uh, talk to a friend that's um, a part of the Alien subreddit and moderates the Alien Discord. And I asked him a question that I thought he could provide some insight on because... Is he an alien? He is. No, I'm just kidding. That's a good interview. He's been at the very core of this the discussion on this topic. And um, so I'm going to ask you this question first. Okay. And then I'll let you hear his response. So do you think that... In your opinion, that there's a specific type of person that believes in aliens or extraterrestrial life, like perhaps people who have gone through trauma are more open to the possibility, or maybe those who have never been religious, just as examples.
0: Not really. I think maybe if you were religious and you still like want to have some kind of mystical experience, maybe. Sure. But like, I oh, don't. I think it's just fucking cool. I was into it when I was religious, and now I'm not. I'm still into it. So yeah, I guess know. so. Yeah. Yeah, that was just my question. I was just yeah, no, that's fair. What was his answer?
1: He said, It's hard to say. It's hard to
0: say.
1: I think it's a different mind, for sure. It ranges the full gamut from successful, productive individuals to people with severe mental issues. Kind of like you just said. cool, right? I think that if one looks at things objectively, without bias, and is willing to have an open mind, they might be surprised at the possibilities out there. I also think that people misinterpret a lot of things our unconscious mind does behind the scenes as proof of extraterrestrial visitation. For example... The vast majority of abduction stories include the abductee falling asleep, waking up to being in a strange place where they're being tested on, and then have no memory of getting back home and waking up the next morning. I've had nights like that. Shambhala. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The problem is that our subconscious is constantly gathering data and making calculations in the background as we go about our days. So our subconscious mind isn't exposed to that. If we walk by two people talking about, like, the latest latest alien movie at some point throughout the day and aren't consciously aware of that, it's possible that our unconscious mind still gathered that information and may feed that to our conscious mind as we are, like, looking at something different. So if we see something in the sky we can't identify, then... Perhaps, you know, we go, oh, it's an
0: alien. You fill it in with like, what, what you already know. Yeah. We talked so. about that a little bit, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks again, Mikey. That was that was a good answer. Like, um, I don't think there's any one specific person that believes in aliens.
0: No. Yeah. Just like there's not, like, one specific kind of person that's into astrology. There's, yeah. like, a lot of every woman I've ever dated that was into astrology. I don't get it.
1: <laughs> What's your sign? I don't get
0: it. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm like, oh, I'm a Gemini. And they're like, oh, we're you two-faced. I'm like, what? Wow. I don't know. Probably. Fuck. I don't know. (laughs) Jesus. I guess you're a Gemini, hey? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about astrology. And then they're like, ah, well, that sounds compatible. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I just think you're hot. I don't know. You're like, I just want a bone. I don't know. I don't care if you're
1: a cow. I'll be a damn Scorpio if you want me to, (laughs) bitch. I'll be a Leo. I'll be in anything. I don't even know what they all
0: are. Oh my god. I love this topic.
1: There's a lot of proof. And there's a lot of proof that isn't real.
0: Yes. There's a lot of misdirection as a lot well of as matane. legitimate
1: information. Yeah. Absolutely. We are really on the verge of discovering some cool things in space.
0: Yeah, we at least have the technology to be able to, right?
1: There are like 10 septillion planets in our observable universe. Right. You have to think, even if you're a skeptic, there's got to be some sort of life form somewhere.
0: Just probability-wise.
1: Just, yeah, statistically, like... It would only make sense,
0: you know. And it would be cool to see if, like, life took on another, like, basic isotope to work with. Like, life on Earth uses carbon for everything, plants, animals, everything. uses Right. Plants. But it'd be cool to see another kind of way that because even like before the modern organisms that we have around evolved like plant or not plants but cyanobacteria we're using iron to photosynthesize yeah like before there was carbon dioxide really in the atmosphere like it is now even if that kind of life is just developing somewhere like cyanobacteria or like bacterial gnats stuff because like
1: you're very into the evolution part of
0: yeah I'm really into evolution as well as aliens, so I think, like, the idea of evolution happening on other planets, which there's a great group of documentaries about speculative evolution on other planets. Yeah. I forget what it's called. If you look up, like, speculative evolution alien documentary, there's, it's by the BBC, I think. There's tons, yeah. Yeah, it's great.
1: Something else I thought about is, I think, and Mikey mentioned this in our interview too, but aliens could have possibly come and visited us a long, long time ago. Yeah. Like, when we first started out, right? And then they kind of watched us. And, like, maybe they don't have the same emotional receptors that we do, and they don't process things as well, or they process them better.
0: Or they don't, like, run on serotonin and dopamine and, like, Right, and they run on something very
1: different or yeah. more
0: of, like, a logical, like you know. Vulcans, like the Vulcans. Right. Yeah.
1: And they watched us kind of just slip into this technological world advancing in every portion of ourselves except for humanity. Yeah. And they were like, Whoa. Well, we don't like, really want that anymore.
0: There's, like, a theory that I heard a few times. Well, I guess it would be more a hypothesis. But mm-hmm. it's the idea that after we dropped the atom bomb, like, the United States dropped the atom bomb, I guess, that's when aliens became interested in. us. like when we started doing nuclear testing that could destroy us or destroy planets. And they're like, oh, okay, what the fuck are you monkeys doing? Yeah, <laughs> we we're going to put you under a microscope money. for a yeah, bit. Yeah, because yeah, who knows? Like, we could be the cockroaches in someone's house.
1: I mean, if I was studying us and I was looking at everything from biblical times all the way up to now and before biblical, biblical yeah. times. Until
0: we were both religious, like, we still think that. Right, it's that's like the beginning. beginning. Oh, oh, my God, I know it's brought <laughs> into my freaking right? brain. Right, I totally know what you mean. Sorry. I know exactly <laughs> um, what
1: you I do know that the world is not only 2,000 years old. I do just want to clear that up on a side note. thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. But if you look at one. the entire timeline of humans, we've always been at war with each other. We've always hated each other. There's always been a reason to
0: fight. Kind of, but that was post-agricultural too, right? Like, pre-agriculture, there wasn't enough of us, and there wasn't really a reason to.
1: Kind of, I guess. Like, even the Vikings, for example, like, when they came over to England and stuff, they would take all of their villages. No, no, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying, like, they would take everybody, they they would burn and destroy all all of the farms, everything, and they wouldn't keep anything, and they would just leave. Yeah. Just for fun.
0: Or they'd just take everything that's valuable.
1: And then, yeah, yeah, that they thought was valuable, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, even, like, the idea that you have to protect your own space. Like, if you have a surplus, then you have to protect that surplus. And that's kind of the beginning of war. Like, before, and even when war started, it wasn't necessarily killing each other. It was, like, more of an intimidation act.
1: Totally. And it was,
0: like, coming at each other and, like, shaking your shields and, like, freaking out. And then everybody, like, maybe one guy, two guys get dinner and they're like, okay, fuck, call this off. Because you have, like, ten men in your tribe. Yeah, you exactly. So you can't die. Because that's literally like twenty
1: percent of your yeah. population's gone. Like Yeah, but then yeah.
0: when you have thousands of people and life becomes dispensable, yeah then war becomes more prevalent, I think.
1: Totally. If you could ask an alien one question, you just watch this little flying saucer come down from the night sky and you're on a walk
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they approach you, and you can understand them, and they can understand you telepathically. What would you ask
0: them? I can only ask them one question? One question. Do you get itchy?
1: Wow, yeah.
0: Like, do you get like, do you also have to, like, scratch and get itchy? And they're like, <laughs> oh, we know what it is to itch. It is horrible. <laughs> do you ever get it on your nose when you have gloves on and you can't scratch it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I know exactly. That's horrible. Yes. Yeah, I would relate to them. That would be something that we could relate on. And if they were like, no, we don't itch, then I'd be like,
1: all right. I want to legit know if aliens have hair. Like, if people or, like, beings on other planets have hair. Like, I want to
0: know what that yeah, looks they like. Open their mouth, and the only hair they have is like on the inside of their
1: mouth. Oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> is that a I'm so idea? sorry to anybody who also cringed because I'm dying. I Isn't hated that, a that. Gross
0: idea. What?
1: No. <laughs> I
0: love that.
1: God, that's that, but... <laughs> bad. To comb <laughs> the inside of your mouth. No, it's
0: <laughs> <laughs> It looks like Mr. It.
1: Your teeth are hairy. They're just yeah. little hairs. hairs. Oh god, I hate Would you. Would you rather have
0: teeth for hair or hair for teeth?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no my head i just felt my head and i could just feel like all these little With weird the like smooth but hard rocks and i'm like oh. <laughs> I'm
0: so you're way too suggestible right now like every horrible scenario i throw your way you're like i can feel it.
1: <laughs> i think this is definitely part one of a larger series
0: of like alien subjects yeah i oh, would sure. really
1: like to do um a separate one on alien abduction yeah. And, you know, maybe even go into a little bit more of Bob Lazar. And... Yeah, I'd like
0: to get into more of Bob Lazar. Like, he's super interesting. mm
1: mm-hmm. I want to make a special shout out this episode to the r slash aliens subreddit and the Aliens Discord channel. If you guys are looking for an open place to explore your theories or share an experience, I would really recommend this community. Thanks again, guys, for all of your help with this podcast. Um, they're a super positive place. Yeah, and, they're
0: a bunch of cool guests.
1: Yeah, would recommend going to talk to them. And that's where Mikey and Volcan came in there. So. And they're listeners,
0: too, as well. Like they listen to the show.
1: Yeah, they listen to the show. That's cool. They support us. We support them. I can't thank you all enough for listening and subscribing to us. Uh, We appreciate the support and are so excited for what the future holds for us, intergalactic or otherwise.
0: I hope intergalactic.
1: I hope intergalactic, too. I hope
0: aliens are listening right now. I want some space potatoes, right? They also call them potatoes.
1: Sweet. Bye! Bye, everybody!